0: I'm Wendy and I'm Udoni. Welcome to the, the Soma, Soma Nami podcast. podcast. The show that talks about books and that intersection with culture, community,
1: current affairs and everything in between from a Pan-African lens.
0: This is a five-part special series where we will be in conversations with the 2022 AKO Ken Prize for African Writing shortlisted writers. These conversations are taking place in between Nairobi, Lagos, South Carolina, New York, Texas, and London, and have been made possible in partnership with the AKO Ken Prize for African
1: Writing.
2: I want them to think about who who they are, um, what part of their history, what part of their formative blocks were contributed by others, and which Mm. can they say for themselves that they've come to realize from their own perspective, from Mm. their own knowledge about themselves, that is true to them.
1: On this episode, we speak to Joshua Chizoma from Nigeria, for his shortlisted story titled Collector of Memories. Joshua is a Nigerian writer and law student. His works has been published in Priory Shuna, Lolwe, Afriada, among others. His story, House Called Joy, won the 2018 Creative Diadem Prize in the flash fiction category. He was the winner of the 2020 Awele Creative Trust Award for his short story, Their Boy. An alumnus of the Purple Hibiscus Trust Creative Writing Workshop, he was a finalist for 2021 Afritondo Short Story Prize, and now he's a 2022 Ako Kane Prize nominee. Hi, Joshua.
2: Hi, Motoni.
0: How are you? Welcome to the Somanami Podcast. We are delighted to have you join us um, to talk about your shortlisted Kane Prize story, uh, The Collector of Memories. And a, All right. Yeah, and a huge congratulations to you, you know, for, for this nomination for the 2022 AKO Kane Prize for African Writing. How was it um, receiving news that you had been shortlisted?
2: All right, thank you, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. Um, so it, it felt unreal when when I when I got the message, and I, I think um I'm still in um I'm still trying to process, I'm still trying to process what it means for me and for my writing career. I, of course, every every writer, African writer, I know, um. Intense hopes that they get on the Prize shortlist, and mm-hmm. at some point in their career, they they send. Um, so so some some people go as far as asking publishers to send in their works for consideration for the prize. Yeah. So so in, in my in my head, I was expecting that um, sometime in the future, that I would, I would get on the shortlist and maybe win sometime in the future. So I wasn't really expecting it yeah. this year. So I'm maybe late to the party. I'm trying to process and get into the. Can price and short spirits. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. All right. Um. So, what would you say is your earliest memory in writing? Like, what are your earliest memories of maybe wanting to be a writer or foraging into professional writing? Um.
2: I I think my my earliest memories um in relation to writing would probably be from reading. Yeah, so I was, I, I started off reading books before I even um, attempted writing them. So um, I, I remember back then in secondary school, I would read, my sister would buy books and um, I would read them. So she would read and then she would, she would leave them and then I would read them. And um, I, I was in the arts in secondary school, so we had to do a lot of um, essays and mm-hmm. yeah, essays, narrative essays, descriptive essays, all of the, those. But uh, at that time, I considered that to be academic work, not something I did for, for the fun of it or something I considered I um, would do professionally. Mm. I think it was up until I entered university in my first year. Um, I joined um, this literary group. We would meet every Wednesday and um, would come with stories or poems that we'd written and would read it out in the group and would have people um, share their thoughts and about how soon make your work better. So I I think being in the company of people like that because Mm. I I went because I was interested in like reading and listening to people read works. But being in the midst of people like that, it kind of like it was sort of like a catalyst. And I, I started writing. Of course, I started writing too, uh, so I would have something to present. And from there, you know, it gave me a community of people who, so it's, I had network to um, find out about literary websites, literary magazines. So from there, I started submitting to those. So, um, so I, I would say probably in I started writing, um, I started writing seriously, maybe 2016, 2017. But I the first. Um, entry I ever made to a competition was in 2018,
1: yes. You sound like you had a really focused um you know uh school life and especially like you know in university when most people are like you know doing Parting. their minimum <laughs> and partying a lot of the time you know you're there working on your craft I mean kudos, well done <laughs> yeah, Thank you <laughs> Thank you yeah, but so for this story and maybe for even how you typically write but especially for this story um what would you say was your entry point into the story um, so, um it's always interesting to hear writers say like you know I started with this block or you know um and so it's because the story has a lot of characters it has a lot of um themes that it's trying to tackle like what was the one thing that what was that seed that got you into the collective memories.
2: Oh okay, yeah, yeah. That's that's funny. <laughs> uh, and it, it's, it's particularly interesting because of how it works for me.
1: Yeah.
2: Um so so back um where I grew up, would often hear stories of um babies left at dorm dump sites or yeah. And then I, I often wondered that, um what became of those children. Mm-hmm. Um how they got integrated into families and and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I think this was um, early in two thousand, um, late two thousand and nineteen, early two thousand and twenty. I was having a conversation with friends, and we were arguing about something. <laughs> we were arguing about something in relation in relation to um, um, women and raising children, and it didn't even make it make it into the story. Yeah, eventually. what what. what the building block, as it were, as you said, mm. it didn't even make it into the story. But it's packed my, it sparked my, it intrigued me because we were, we were now discussing what happened to those children. How are they able to trace their families? Yeah. How um, and the idea of identity, right? Mm. So, um, if you if you found out today that who you thought you were is not who you are, mm. I mean, the, the place you you thought you took root from. It's not actually where it took from. So what will happen to you? So that was the seed. Yeah. Uh, and it germinated. But yeah, it was it was it was tough writing the story because it was uh, I was it during the pandemic. So I had to deal with all of that. And so writing was sort of my like my outlet. Mm-hmm. And particularly this story was difficult. I had to rewrite it um several times mm-hmm. because I felt the story was calling out to me, and I wanted it wanted to be written in a certain way. So, at every draft I finished and read it over, I feel that something was missing. Mm-hmm. I know I know writers get to say this a lot. I mean, eventually, even when you finish writing and you read the story again, you feel okay, something is missing. I should have done this, but mm-hmm. it, it particularly felt for the story that I had to do right by the characters, yeah. especially considering that I had four women, and mm-hmm. I wanted to be sure that I wasn't
0: pandering to any stereotypes mm-hmm. or anything so yeah. yes. yes so thank you okay i that. think i've gone beyond the question no it's we we have probably put the cut before the horse a little bit and maybe for the benefit but, of our listeners and anybody who is yet to read the collector of memories can you just tell us a little bit about the story
2: okay okay so so the story is about um um, a young lady named Soma who um, gets um, picked up by um, a foster mom, and then gets raised up. She gets to discover that um, the person she considers to be her mom mm-hmm. um, is not actually her mom. Yeah. Her mom tells her her history, and I'm trying to be a little bit vague so that people could go with the story. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 her mom tells her. Um, her actual history and eventually at at some point towards the end of the story we find out that um her birth mother had um sort of like laid a course on her adopted mother her foster mother for picking her up Mm -hmm. and if she were not to return her so her foster mother had to so she had to make restitution so they say she had to go back meet with her birth mother and um Yes, it's quite the idea of identity. And so, mm-hmm. which of the two women um, would be her, her real mother, um, as it were, mm-hmm. And um, who would she consider herself to be mm-hmm. in that sort of scenario? so that's it. okay yeah yeah and also I, I wanted to touch on the idea of um, community and raising children yeah. because we see in the story that we see two different women raising um Chibosoma. Yeah. and i didn't want to belabor the fact that they were unmarried because i didn't think it was consequential right so yeah. they were just three women who were pitching in to raise this girl it was um a nod to the fact that in africa in nigeria that we have a community of people raising children raising one one child you have uncles and aunts, none of them pitching in to raise you so in some some sense all of them are your parents
0: yeah oh that's interesting um because when wendy and i were reflecting on on your story um the, the issue of this child being raised in such a communal setting was something that we really like talked about and we're trying to figure out. So where are the fathers in the story? Um, was Was it a deliberate choice on your part to sort of exclude the conventional sort of family unit and raise this child in just a community of people who love the child regardless of the circumstances? So it's interesting that you've even brought that up.
2: Oh yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes! It, it was it was deliberate mm-hmm. because um, it, it, oftentimes we see um, maybe an unmarried woman, and we're thinking, "Oh, where's the father of the child, mm-hmm. or something like that?" And for the story, particularly, and for for the story, I didn't think it was necessary. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it. I didn't think it was necessary. The idea was that. This community of women raised her and there wasn't a lack in her life there mm-hmm. wasn't something missing because of the fact that she was raised in that kind of in that kind of home yes so i, I wanted to entrench the idea mm-hmm. because because it, it, it's it's com it's we often see using um children on their own mm-hmm. so i wanted to yeah disabuse the idea that there was something wrong with that mm-hmm. yeah so yeah, so it was deliberate, it was
0: deliberate. Going back to an idea that you had mentioned um, earlier in terms of you were writing this story, you wanted to explore that aspect of identity. What I found uh, with the story is is the powerful opening. And I'll just read yes. like the the opening line. I am a sucker for powerful opening lines. Like I've, <laughs> I've done entire lives where I'm just talking about stories or books that speak, <laughs> like jump at you when you read the first line. And your story starts um, with, Mother made me a collector of memories. She taught me that we carry our histories in sacks tied around our necks, adding to their burdens um, as years lengthen our lives. And my own interpretation of that was who we are is basically a collection of snatches of memories here and there, those that we remember but for a large part, and you know, considering that a lot of um, our formative years, our memories are not cemented in our psyche, those that are told to us by the people around us. And my question was, how do yeah. you then see identity as linked to memory, um, as you were writing this story?
2: Oh yeah, 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 yeah! Absolutely, it was, it was, because the um, the prize I sent it in for. The the theme of the prize was identity. Yeah. So I was yeah, so, so the story was centered around um what we know of ourselves. How much of ourselves um did we did did we get from others? Did did others alone us about mm. part of ourselves? And at what point do we decide the ones we want to keep? Mm. Yeah, so so centrally the story was about um where a, the carpet is pulled from under your feet, um, mm. so to see if what you told about yourself suddenly changes, what part of you remains, what part of you is authentic to yourself, um, external to what people have told you. Be- because like you said, um, rightly so,
1: mm.
2: a lot of the things we know of ourselves um, are what people have told us, especially in our formative years. So uh, yes, in the, at the end of the story, we see um, Chibu Soma deciding for herself the version of the story she decides um to keep the version of the story she b- decides to believe mm-hmm. <laughs> yes it, yeah so so the story was basically an interrogation of what we know of ourselves, how much of ourselves um, people have told us, and at what point do we um become at peace mm. at the identity we've formed for ourselves external out to what we've been told or what we have um, we have experienced,
1: yes um like you had mentioned earlier, um, the the setting for the story, or rather her family, is unconventional but still yes. very wholesome, right? So you have aunties um yes. who are really her mothers, but in addition to that, she's in a community where everyone is in everyone's business. <laughs> right? So there's neighbors who share yes. <laughs> who share more than a compound, <laughs> they share a toilet and 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 that's like very typical of... And, and intimate. Like if you if you think
0: about toilets or if you think about Bathroom, you know those yeah. bathrooms, those are spaces which are very intimate. Like you'd only share them with um your family members, right? Because yeah. you have these spaces yeah. in your house and it, they're very intimate spaces. But in the story we see that kind of intimacy like sort of highlighted in in a larger communal though it's actually quite normal in some <laughs> uh, in some african households yeah um yeah so yeah so me interrupting
1: <laughs> no 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 it's perfectly fine Uh. yes and so basically we see that she doesn't lack of anything yeah um in the sense of you know like she doesn't feel like she has any less of a childhood um but it's interesting that when she grows up she seems to exhibit like attachment issues you know, um, later in the story, we see that with her partner or her boyfriend that she's dating, she's you know she's here for the good times, but she doesn't want to discuss permanence or mm. a future. Um wh- Would you say like what? Where is that stemming from? Because clearly <laughs> she's been brought up with love. <laughs> okay, okay,
2: so, um So, so when, when I when I write characters, I try as much as possible to. Make them whole. Yeah. as it well, not to to make them whole, to make them their own person. And writing Chibuzo she seemed like that kind of person um, with layers. So, so of course, she she grew up with the nurturing of her mother and her aunties. So, you, you, you cannot say exactly that um, it was st- that her attachment um, mm-hmm. issues <laughs> uh, stemmed from a lack of. Um, um, an emotional fortitude from home, yeah. Yeah, because again we have instances where people turn out to be certain ways, and we try to mm-hmm. um, trace it to maybe having a dysfunctional family. Yeah. But sometimes people adjust that way. So Chibuzoma is a, um, is a character, is a person who has um, very trend sexual tastes. Yeah. She's uh, somebody who maybe okay. And I, I I do agree that maybe growing up um, with Really strong, independent women, mm-hmm. She she didn't have um, she didn't need to be dependent on on the man. So to say, so so the idea of having a conventional marriage did not appeal to her. She mm-hmm. was perfectly um, comfortable in a partnership with um, a man that she considers her equal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So in any case, when I was writing the story, I wasn't averting my mind to maybe um, linking this with yeah. this or okay. like and it was just that it felt to me writing this character that this was the kind of character she was supposed to be mm. so i just wrote it that way
0: and and that is so interesting because um when i put my reader's cap on and i'm reading the story i was about to write a thesis about chibusoma and her attachment issues and i was about to start <laughs> from her childhood because you know the story starts with her knowing that she was an abandoned child right and so, at the core and at the essence of of her person, she understands um, that she was in some way unwanted, because the 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 story is she had been collected from like um, a dump a site. site, right? And so, when I was reading yes, yes. the yeah, when I was reading the book, my understanding was that issue of abandonment is still sort of um manifesting manifesting <laughs> <laughs> because she's grown up knowing that people can leave her like her bad mother did not want her for one reason or another and this is before we know what actually happened to her bad mother but she grew up knowing she had been collected from a dump site and so there's definitely an issue of abandonment there and sort of towards the end when the boyfriend Chike also says my family has gotten me um somebody to marry and she lashes out and then it sort of dawns on her that this is going to be like another case of abandonment. Like, he's going to leave me. And she's there wondering, are you serious? Are you really, really going to leave me? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of felt like... That was your take on it, right? Yeah, that right. was okay. my take on it. Like, <laughs> sister girl here has some abandonment issues and attachment issues. And that's why she was <laughs> very unwilling to commit to a boyfriend. Oh, okay. Um... So, so
2: maybe so maybe yes, All right, <laughs> so maybe yes, but, but, like I said and and i, I guess this is the beauty of writing a story and having readers read the story and um, share their perspective on the story, because but then sincerely, when I was writing the story, I felt okay, this is she she isn't going to be like regular conventional character she's going to be complicated Mm. because of the experiences that she's had Mm. and this was the the way the complications uh, were going to manifest in in this sort of um moving from her family to um the unconventional relationship she had and her inability to commit to it because in the story anytime the boyfriend brings up the idea of getting married to her she she would always always just believe Mm, and then just come back eventually because I I think she wasn't just invested in the idea Mm. yeah so I I guess in some way Mm. her experiences contributed to um, the kind of person she eventually turned out to be but in in sincerity it wasn't what I had my mind mind on when I was writing the story I just wanted to write a story that was true to the characters okay yes
1: okay that um yeah that's a really good take I mean we're here selling you a different story altogether <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> motivation to her. <laughs> um, but but another interesting character that came up, or rather, an, an interesting thing that, um, at, and as Modoni and I were reflecting, was the fact that uh, Chibu's birth mother, um, uh, was later picked up by her people, right? And. Yeah. And later in the story, we find out that they were aware, they had been aware that she had had a child. But there doesn't seem to be that there was any effort to make contact with this child or to recover her or to retrieve her. And I think one of the theories that, again, we were pushing is that perhaps it's because she has mental illness. And and there's always this thing of you know treating people with mental illness as Maybe half human, you know, right? And without certain rights. So I don't know if that's also maybe what, um, what you were going with that uh, bit of the story where we don't see anyone trying to say, okay, (laughs) we she had had a child. Where is this child? It's until Chibu, uh, or rather her adoptive family, later needs the birth family, that's when there's a reconnection, and it's for a very specific agenda, which has very little to do with her.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm with you on that one. And, and I think if you, if you go back up, um, the fact that she was a mass mother, adopted mother, actually, like, took the child mm. from from the woman and just left it was such a callous thing to do it, it was such a callous thing to do especially for someone who does not have a child of her own so so she could relate to um taking something from someone but she was able to do that without a thought because of oh well, this this is somebody who, is, who has a mental illness who is yeah. here so I, I i sort of like i agree with you and and I mean, on um on a, a broader scale, I think, um, especially in Nigeria, that we do have um, a lot to do for people who are suffering mental illnesses. Um, I mean, even um from schizophrenia to people who are maybe clinically depressed, we, there is such a shroud mm-hmm. of ignorance um about mental illness, and the way we approach mental illness, we just need to have an overhaul. Mm-hmm. So we see in the story that when they eventually just took care of the woman and she she started um, taking her meds, yeah. she was able to. Yes, she, yes. So I I think it's something. I was exploring the idea that when someone suffers a mental illness, it's often easy for people to overlook them, to consider mm-hmm. to alter them, yeah. to make them feel less than a yeah. uh, feel subhuman. Yeah. So it was it was the idea and the the of people uh, men sleeping with women who um have mental illnesses and yeah. just leaving without repercussions and i think that was, that was exactly what happened to chippo birth mother so some random guy maybe took advantage of her and then just walked away so i, I wanted to entrench the idea that um, sort of there was a consequence for that yeah. action yeah. and to see um past suffering and uh, the person who was mentally challenged that was deprived mm. flourishing yes. yeah. so, so that was the idea in
0: the story so that that's it. also interesting because um, sort of as we get to the end of the story or nearing the end of the story because I feel like you left it at such a cliffhanger <laughs> <laughs> <It's complete. Right>? <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's this idea of uh, of curses that seemed to be like an unspoken truth, right? Um, That they believe in it, but we do not really know whether it works or whether it it doesn't. And for a lot of African traditions, we have such reverence for, uh, you know, curses and spirituality or call it karma, whatever you want to call it, but just something that you do that will sort of have rippling effects and sort of influence the trajectory of your life. But the story left us at... What what was on what was on the other end of the call? Like was the cast a thing <laughs> thing? Was it not a thing? Was this intentional? Did you just set out to punish your readers? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> Okay, yes. Yeah. So I, I think we are we are all in this together because I don't know the end of the story myself. <laughs> but I don't know the end of the story myself. I, I, I I think I wanted the end to reflect what we, how we viewed curses in Africa, Um, especially for people who um, subscribe to to Christianity. Mm -hmm. So on on the one hand, we believe, okay, um, Christians are above curses. um, So we we can't be cursed and stuff like that. But we also see it prevalent. We also see people um, being afraid when they're being Mm -hmm. cursed. And for a lot of people a lot of nigerians we 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 are not we are not exactly certain on that and would rather err on the side of uh, not, sure.
1: being cast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: not being cursed yes 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 yeah. so, so I, um so i wanted the story to reflect um my thoughts about that and this, the thoughts of majority of nigeria so we are not sure about what happened mm. we are not sure if the curse will be lifted so yeah, yeah. it seemed like a perfect place to end and, and i must add i had different endings. I had I had an ending that was beyond that. Okay. And <laughs> but then, like I said, the story drives you. The story mm. drives you. And at that point, so when, when I was doing the edit, it felt, it felt um, best to end the story. It felt that the story wanted to end there.
1: Okay, yes. no, and that's a good ending because, like, you know, it yeah. stays with you, and you're like, hmm, what happened?
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I'm still asking myself what happened, but I like that you brought up the issue of um consequences, and because it's something Wendy and I had also talked yes. about uh, Chibu's adoptive mother or the mother who raised her, and you know, the notion that she. Um, because I guess in, in, in her thinking, she saved a child from, you know, probable death. Because as they're traveling to meet Chibu's bath mother, there's the comment from the aunt that you would probably have died of a cold or something. And so there's justification for doing an inhumane thing which is steal a child from somebody who seemed very protective over the child, and then take advantage of the fact that they were feeling really tired, exhausted, didn't have any help, suffering from mental issues. So justify your actions by taking this child. But then the argument was, and this is like from a moral perspective, because she was extremely kind to the child, and she loved. She seemed like she actually really, really loved the child like her own. Yeah. Um. Does that then absorb her from the cruel thing she did, which is snatching this child from their birth mother? What, what What are What is your take on that? Like, what are your reflections on 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 that? Did she deserve forgiveness?
2: Okay. Okay. So, the the, the story. I, it's a reflection of the fact that I believe that um, we can always find an argument for any, any action given even um, terrible ones mm-hmm. and especially when we follow up the terrible action with acts of kindness yeah. I- even when we feel that we are being benevolent the person that we are being callous to in some way so there is always um, an argument we could have on both sides so if you if you, if you if you were like you said if you were to look at it from Chibu Soma's um, adoptive mother's perspective she was actually doing a kind of thing to the child and eventually she raised the child well the the, the Soma was not wanting of affection she wasn't and if she hadn't if the situation that came up didn't eventually come up there wouldn't have perhaps there wouldn't have been any need to go back to look for her birth mother but that was wrong Mm. taking the child from from the mother was wrong and and keeping her all all those years was wrong Mm -hmm. and having to be compelled to do the right thing was wrong in itself yeah so so yeah, but she deserves forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know. I think it's up I- to decide to decide if she deserves forgiveness. But what I wanted to establish was that what she did was wrong. Mm-hmm. Whatever came afterward, if, if the root was wrong, everything that comes after it is inconsequential. Yeah. Especially as she persisted because she had uh, mm-hmm. opportunities to return the child, opportunities to look for she was a mad birth mother. She was mm-hmm. she had the opportunity to do right, not just for her birth mother but for the child. Yeah, because I, I think it uh, it was necessary. For her to meet her birth mother and to get to form, form a bond with her birth mother. And she deprived both the mother and the child of yeah. that bond. for, And I mean, having to start at that stage in her life to form that bond, it was just, yes. Mm. So if, if she was serving of forgiveness, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. But I mean, I like, will give it up
1: joshua you're really denying us this ending i, I see how you went around that one and you're like no 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 because that would have been the perfect answer to what was on the other end of that phone call
0: yeah,
1: yeah. but um that, that we'll have to do the work as readers that's yeah. okay uh, i'm curious to know what how it was like embodying a female protagonist and i mean speaking of like being in the company of Women, yeah, you are also shortlisted uh for this prize for the aka prize twenty twenty two uh in the company of four other ladies. So <laughs> I don't know. It
2: does it does seem uncanny, doesn't it? <laughs> it seems uncanny, yeah.
1: So how was how was writing that that voice? Oh yeah. it, um yes,
2: so it, it was it was a little difficult because I, I had four different women Mm -hmm. or like they were like distinct they were like totally different in in their personhood and like I said I always try as much as possible to do good by my characters so I I was fortunate to be um, to have uh, really powerful women who impacted my life growing up I, I had already mentioned my older sister mm-hmm. who i used to who I, I am very close to and i used to read her books so um i have two older sisters and a younger sister and i'm like sand, sandwiched Ooh. between them okay. <laughs> so so i i, I had uh, I, I was right in the midst of them growing up but essentially for the story i had to do a, a lot of research i remember um at some point in the story, having to call my female friend to ask them, okay, what would you do in a situation like that? How would you handle this sort of thing and just listening to them Mm -hmm. and uh, like trying out different scenarios, playing out different scenarios and just listening to them. And eventually, of course, the answers didn't get into the story, Mm -hmm. but it sort of like gave me perspective Mm -hmm. to write the story. Mm -hmm. So I did research and watched and observed, but also I wanted the, the characters to be themselves so they they were themselves but i had to do a lot of research because of course i have limited experience when it comes to experiences of women so i had to do a lot of research Uh, yeah it's so that was how it was
1: for me okay
0: you did a good job <laughs> <laughs> you go. I keep saying that um you know if a writer like a writer is free to write whatever you want to write, the characters you want to write, the stories you want to write like it's limitless, and we should not limit writers to write things that are familiar or we feel are uh, only familiar to the writers, but I also say that then there should be like if a writer takes on the task to write um a story that is you know, not familiar or not within their comfort zones, then it, the onus is on the writer to do a lot of research. And, you know, clearly from the stories, it does seem like you've done a lot of research to embody, yeah. you know, a female protagonist. And so kudos, kudos <laughs> for that. Um, so just as we're sort of, <coughs> Thank you. yeah, winding up um, this conversation, what would you want... Um, your readers to take out of this story? Like, what is that central message that you want the readers to come out of this story with?
2: I want them to com- come off with the same thing that I did come off with when I-, I finished writing the story mm-hmm. and read it, and which is the question, who you are. Mm-hmm. So, when when I finished writing the story, I I, I, mean, I wanted to go ask my, my parents about, okay, how, um, questions about-, about my birth and stuff like that. And then, yeah. So for for every everybody who reads the story, I, I want them to think about who who they are, um, what part of their history, what part of their formative blocks were contributed by others and which can they say for themselves that they've come to realise from their own perspective, from their own knowledge about themselves, that is true to them that isn't um and i'm using this word loosely that isn't corrupted by outside influence so mm. i want people to to question the idea of identity the idea of becoming and maybe from that point that's cost um to who they want to be who they intend to be so the starting point is who you are and who mm. you want to be wow
0: wow that is so powerful that is so powerful, and I'm hoping then for a lot of the readers of this story that is gonna be, uh, the central message like who are you and yeah yeah what elements of who I am are my own yeah memories or
1: you know things that have been implanted. Yeah. Um, um, you mentioned that okay, you uh, of course starting with romance novels from way back when. you've always been a reader Uh, but for for our listeners what kind of books can you recommend that sort of explore you know similar themes of identity and selfhood um, if any that you've come across that if somebody has reads this story and wants to you know read more on similar feeling stories or books what can you recommend
2: Wow, uh, okay, okay, that's, that's a tough one, mm. tough one. Um, so first of all, I'll say um, Homegoing by yagyasi mm. So Homegoing, yeah, it's, it's a book I love so much because it explores identity of really diverse characters across spanning several decades. Yeah, yeah so anybody, anybody who is interested in the idea of, and especially for, for Africans who are interested in the idea of how um history um helps in forming a person yeah. even transgenerationally
1: yeah
2: transgenerationally how history trauma eventually contributes to how people get formed across generations yes um going is an amazing an amazing book um so there's um the vanishing half the a story is a novel about two two sisters who um have who start off with the same experiences, but eventually just diverse. Their yeah. their lives take different different turns, yeah. but have the same the same the same roots. Yeah. So, uh, so these are, the, these are the two that come to mind off of the top of my head, right?
1: No, these yeah, are so. Yeah,
2: guesses. Homegoing and the Vanishing
1: House. Yes. No, I mean those are really good books. And as you were speaking, I'm I'm just like, oh, now I see the yeah, you know the whole connection <laughs> and the, Yeah, and and both books really beautiful books. Um, since the nomin uh since the shortlist was announced, um, I don't know if you've read any of the b- stories uh that are you know shortlisted. We um, what what are your thoughts? How are you feeling? <laughs>
2: oh okay okay so so when the shortlist came out i told myself that i wasn't going to read any story right so i yeah. I, I, I didn't want to break my own heart
1: so, <laughs> but, but it, it,
2: it, it is a tradition for me for each year to read the shortlisted kim Price story so i, I tried to read it i tried to read all of them yeah. so this year i just had it. and eventually i read all all five stories, all four four stories apart from mine. And first of all, I like like to say that I'm very proud of myself. I'm in really good company. Like they are amazing. (laughs) (laughs) They are amazing, amazing, amazing stories. So it's, it's, it feels like such an honor to be in the company of such amazing, amazing stories. And (laughs) <laughs> I'm i I'm I'm afraid for my chances. I'm just I'm just hopeful, yeah. my fingers crossed. Yeah. I, I I feel that if any of the stories were to be announced, yeah. um the win I I, I wouldn't feel bad. I, I would feel that I lost to a worthy mm. contender. So so yeah, may maybe the best story win.
1: Yeah. Oh. I I, I pity the judges at this point. Right? I know, right? Yeah. They have like such a. <laughs> they have a, tough task. They have
0: a task, tough task ahead of them. I I also just wouldn't want to be in their shoes right now. Um. So as we now finally, finally wind wind up, um, can you talk to us about um your plans for the future? What you're currently working on? Are we going to see um chibu in sort of like a bigger setting are you like a full book is there a full book having like what what can you tell us
2: oh, oh, okay um so I'm, I'm currently studying for the nigerian bar so that is consuming Ooh. a lot of my time <laughs> Yeah, but, but I do I do intend to have a book out. I, I intend to start writing a book eventually. Okay. Um, by 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 the end of the year, it was it was only this year that I got um full idea of the the, the story uh, the novel I want to write mm-hmm. because all those years I've always struggled with coming up with. I, I mean, I've had a couple of stories that I felt okay I could develop into into a novel yeah. but this year i had a, a novel come to me and maybe fully formed in mm-hmm. in a yeah mm-hmm. yeah But um, for Chibosom, i am for people some i mean I, I don't know i don't know <laughs> if, she, if she if she if she called out to me again and um there is a a, a story she wants me to tell i'll be more than happy to take that work we have yeah. but at this point i think we are we are comfortable with where we are okay so, yes
0: Fair enough. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Um for our listeners and any readers who would want to engage with you or your work, how can we find you?
2: Okay, yes, so um, I'm on Twitter mm-hmm. um with my native my name, Emeka. That's E M-E-K-A underscore. E-M-E-C E-M-E-K-A underscore C H I. Z-O-M-A, um, but, but you're more likely to get me on, on Instagram, at okay. Joshua Chizoma, oh, okay. Joshua Chizoma Instagram, yes. Okay.
0: Oh, well, it's been lovely having you on the Somanami podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for making time. Yeah. All uh, the best. Yeah. All the best in your upcoming exams, and you know you know we look forward to seeing uh, what else you give us um and congratulations on again the nomination for the Kane prize and wishing you all the best for the future and even the this particular award
2: yeah thank thank you so much for having me it's it's been delightful conversing with you about the story and um, thank you thank you for digging into the story so much i i feel be- I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. And yeah, um, I I look forward to interfacing with you guys sometime in the future. And again, kudos to the super fantastic job you're doing for the African literary space and for women writers. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to the Somanami podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review or rating and tell your
1: friends to tell their friends about us. It goes a long way. Catch all the latest from us. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Somanami underscore KE on Instagram and Tomanami Books on both Twitter and Facebook. Catch Modoni at This Bookish Girl and myself Wendy at I Wonder and Read on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to collaborate or work with us, please reach out via email, info at somanami.ke. Thanks again, and we'll love to see you next time.